Hello everyone and welcome along to the live Sunday night podcast for the TII team. My name is Craig Dennett and I am your host this evening. It is not Scott Patterson, the housewife's favourite. He's had something come up, um, but thankfully I'm here and I have a little bit more hair too and into the bargain. Um, I am though joined by the two guests who were supposed to be on this evening. So first of all, welcome along to Tommy McIntyre, our editor. Well, there we go. It's as good as it gets. Uh, evening to you, evening to Scott, evening to whatever the housewife's favourite is currently hanging his hat, and uh, evening to all the uh, listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, that, that's probably as complimentary as it's going to get, Tommy, to be fair. So, um, it's pretty low bar. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty impressed that we started off. Yeah. <laughs> and Scott Cameron joins us as well. How are you doing, Scott? Very good, mate. Another busy week uh, with the Rangers, so plenty to talk about. Absolutely, and you've you've rejigged the background as well a wee bit, so good good to see some new pictures in there as well. Um, and I guess you might, to, you might want to save a space somewhere in there, Scott. Okay. Yeah, I I allude to my oh my yes yes um, message to you all in the uh, in the uh, TII WhatsApp. Um, so you might want to just keep a wee keep a wee space open there, mate. There's a space where Walter is over my, my right shoulder, so I can just uh, I can just adjust ever so slightly. So he's he, it's not moving the gaza right enough, but it'll uh, it'll go there. That'll be look forward to that. There's a, there's always extra space to be found in the house somewhere, Scott. Anyway, so even if it's a bathroom, there's some there's some extra space to be found somewhere. Right, oh, enough of that. On to talking about Rangers, um, and there's plenty to talk about as well. So we'll we'll cover a wee bit about yesterday, some of the some of the key performers, some of the key talking points. Uh, we'll talk about Nicholas Raskin. We'll cover Todd Cantwell, Malik Tillman, all the usual suspects from there. We'll talk a little bit about Connor Goldson's interview that was published um, earlier on today by Chris Jack in the Herald. And we'll also talk a little bit about one of the major talking points on social media over the last 24 hours or so. And, and looking at the atmosphere at Ibrooks and if too many people are leaving early doors and actually we need people to stay to back the team, especially in games where maybe not everything's going our way like it did yesterday. First of all, though, we're 36 hours or so on from um, from the game yesterday. Tommy, come to you first. What are your overall thoughts, reflections on the game? Well, before I get to that, I, I, the reason I was laughing while you were you were doing your uh, agenda run through there is I happened to glance at Chris Cherry's uh, comment. Uh, uh, I do not have McInnes vibes about me, and I'm, I'm pretty certain that uh, pretty certain that I wouldn't bottle the Rangers job if they offered it to me, and I would play a slightly sexier brand of football if I was given the opportunity as well. Should I should also say as well because I get a lot of hassle in the, the WhatsApp group on this. I do not look like, uh, what's his name? Is Alan McManus? Either, the ex-snooker player. Right, I'm, I'm putting all of this to bed uh, tonight. So, no McManus, no McInnes. Find somebody who's relatively good-looking, and I, I, might, I might sign up to it, right? So, there we go. That's a challenge to all the listeners and watchers. Please find somebody who doesn't look as bad as I actually look. That's why I've turned the lighting down tonight. Uh, back to your point, though, listen, depends what side of the bed you want to get out of, right? So you can either go down the route of it's got some good football in it at the moment, Michael Beale, but it's a bit chaotic and it can 
teeter on the brink of collapse, uh, sometimes crisis, right? We've seen that some stodgy performances. I said at the time when he came in that he wasn't a messiah wandering out the wilderness. There's still a lot of the same players who turned off under Gio. You're going to get some of the same problems, right, until you can do a full a full turn of the wheel and start to move them out. There's only so much mentality building that a coaching staff can, can really do, right? And we know some of the problem areas of our squad as well. We'll talk to that uh, across the pod, and I'm sure the listeners have the exact same feelings or maybe different ones. Or you can say, what's the most impressive thing that Michael Beale's been able to do in a very short space of time? Build resilience. There is Rangers on a fantastic run, probably should have had all wins and not a, not a draw in there, a damaging draw, obviously. But you've got that resilience that they can keep going, even when it's not going particularly well. We might touch on the fact that Ibox can be pretty toxic sometimes as well. Some players aren't built for that anyway. And so I'm, I'm willing to go on that side, of the, that side of the equation tonight, which is absolutely fantastic that we've got that level of resilience. We've just come out of nowhere because it really wasn't there earlier in the season. So kudos to Michael Beale and his coaching staff and to the players for at least stepping up a little bit. Yeah, resilience the big key thing. We've got the three points. Yeah, Scott, would you agree with, with Tommy there about resilience? I think yesterday's game was kind of a non-event for in, in my eyes anyway for the first 64 minutes until Ross County scored, really. I think it was going as we all expected it to go. I think a few fans had, had turned up. Um, I know I know. I, I went to the game with Kyle and he was he was on a high after the Hearts game and the Hearts performance and he was saying 7-0, 8-0 in the car. Um, I'm not even sure his, his tongue was in his cheek when he was saying that either. Um, but Kyle was fully confident of, a, of us continuing that sort of level of performance. I was a bit on the other side going to come up against a stuffy defence. They did, Ross County tend to be well organised, um, but I was still expecting a comfortable victory. I think I think that goal yesterday was all, was generally all of the problems we've experienced in, in this season rolled into one. And it just showed that the the it's still there. But like Tommy says, the, the resiliency and the resilience is is still is starting to show again, which is which is a positive. What were your thoughts on the game overall? I mean, I think resilience, I mean, what are we 12, 12 games in? I mean, there's been a lot of the, the games where we've had to show resilience. You know, it's games that the 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 old cliche we wouldn't have picked up a, a win under Geo in the latter stages, you know. So I think to to be in this position, I think I don't think any of us would have forecast such a a positive run of uh, of results. And as Tommy says, it should be twelve out of twelve. I think we made heavy weather of it, uh, which is I just said to the boys round round about me. I'm like, we just need to get a second goal here because one nil's just a it's a dangerous it's a dangerous scoreline. Um, but there's 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 positives, you know, and I think I think it, it, I'd rather focus on the the sort of the positive aspects of uh, what we are doing well. There are, you know, I think Michael Beale's very honest. I mean, he, he speaks very very openly on all subjects, you know, and I thought his uh, post match was was pretty he pretty he summed it up well, and we'll obviously talk about. The certain individuals and substitutions and what have you, but we got a bit of luck. Um, Borna takes the free kick; it takes a, a wicked deflection. But I mean, I think we deserve to win the game. But we made uh, we made heavy weather. But under Walter Smith, you know, uh, nine in a row, 
you know, for those that go back uh, to, uh, we didn't beat everybody six or seven nothing during nine in a row, as much as uh, everybody thought that was the case. You know, we got beat to Dundee United. We we won one 0 against Falkirk. These sort of things happen during the course of any any season. You can't win four, five, six every week. You're going to get games where you just have to get the three points, and that is something that we've done well over the last couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. And our fellow contributor, Andy Anderson, agrees with you. He says, odd goal wins at Ibrooks with a stodgy performance has happened for years. Nothing new or to worry about. And I guess these are games like yesterday are the ones that you forget about when the, when the season comes to an end. And it's it's not those, while, while it's not the games you talk about, the three points mean just as much um, as they do in the games that we do rave about, like the, the Hearts performance midweek. Um, plenty of comments coming in about different talking points. Uh, from the game, we'll try and cover as many as many as we can. Um, Tommy, interested in your your thoughts on this one? It's a, it's a hot topic amongst the TII team. Um, Michael Beale needs to knock the rotating goalkeeper on its head. It's only causing confusion with our centre halves. I think uh, I don't think John McLaughlin necessarily covered himself in glory yesterday with with his performance. Albeit, I don't think he did much wrong outside of outside of how he. Came out for the the Ross County goal. Um, what what are your thoughts on the fact that Michael Beale does seem to be rotating the goalkeepers at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I'll start the answer the same way I started the last one, which a bit more specific this time. Curry Muncher, I see you in the comments as well. I do not look like a homeless person, right? Thank you very very much. Um, this is an expertly trimmed beard, don't you know? Um, and I'm not entirely sure about the gangster one, trust me. If you knew me, that would definitely not be the case. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that the listeners may actually generate some nice feeling from me and, and find something decent in there at some point. But to, to your point, McLaughlin, right? So I think Michael Beale, nobody on this pod in the WhatsApp group and the wider TII family and the, the listeners, everybody, nobody is surprised to hear that goalkeeper was a, is, a, is and was a problem position for us right now it was a short stop in that we thought McGregor could get us through the season McGregor's form has fluctuated McLaughlin's in there as well right that will be addressed in the summer right McCrory's got our ankle uh, ligament injury I think not that he would be in the running to, to start in any way shape or form I think I've made my feelings quite clear on probably McCrory anyway I don't think he's I don't think he's cut for it but happy to put it wrong at some point and then I think Michael Beale also alluded to, right, that's us maybe out of the way, the midweek games, Europe, etc. So expect to see the, the switching dialed down. I read from that that it's McGregor from them to the end of the season unless something, you know, awful happens. To your specific point, and this is the difference maybe in that particular position, but for all, all the players, right, but maybe it really comes to the fore for keepers, strikers, and then maybe defenders, right? Is that there's a massive difference between being at most clubs and then being at a club like Rangers. McLaughlin could have a good game. Yeah, it, was, it was all right. He didn't really do anything particularly wrong. It's fine. But he is culpable for the goal. And at Rangers, it's that. You you have to be switched on for that one moment because that's how your, your career will be defined. You might do nothing. And it might just be rudimentary stuff from 91 minutes or whatever. But when you step up to the plate, you're supposed to be at a level that it works and you're there. And that's the difference between top class goalkeepers, your Andy Gorham's, your Alan McGregor's, etc. And unfortunately, people like John McLaughlin. He's not 
anything other than a backup keeper. I wish him all the very, very best. We look towards the summer in terms of top class reinforcements in there, and a starter probably, and wish Aaron McGregor the very best in his retirement or whatever he does because he's been a fantastic servant. But that's essentially that conversation in a nutshell, and that's the that's the reason why McLaughlin will never really generate the positivity because every chance he's had, there's always been a, a, a little rip in the blanket, a wee kink type of thing. He's just not something you hand your confidence over to. Yeah, Scott, I think Tommy speaks about the goalkeeper needs to be ready for that one moment in time or that one moment in the game where the opposition do break through our defence or do manage to get a, a good shot away, away at goal. And I think that's where Alan McGregor has come up Trump season after season for us. I think it's been questionable the last two seasons and that's probably where people have seen the drop-off in Alan McGregor and it has been more noticeable. Xander Lee says here in the comments, we badly need a keeper. Big no-nonsense centre-half and a striker that can put the ball in the net, struggling the final third. Sticking on that goalkeeper conversation, I think it's blatantly obvious to everyone that, that we need a new goalkeeper come the summer. Um, and I think actually we conceded a goal from 45% of shots on target that we faced in the league so far this year, which is absolutely unacceptable and is, I guess, a reason as to why we're in the position we're in, nine points behind um, in the league. What are your thoughts on, on that rotating goalkeeper situation and do, do you do you feel it should be sort of Alan McGregor through to the end of the season, as, as Tommy believes it will be? I think it has to be and I think the manager after the game basically basically said it, said as much. I, I expected McLaughlin yesterday because uh, Griggs is, what, 41 now? Uh, his old body can he handle three games in a in a week. We don't now have a midweek game until we go to Hibs uh, a couple of weeks after the after the cup final the, the the game. So I think McGregor should play every game, possibly bar one around about around about there. You know, it's listen. Griggs he's been a fantastic keeper for us. I, my wish for him and any other player that leaves. Uh, in the summer is that they leave on a high. They leave with a League Cup final win and they leave with a Scottish Cup final win because that is the way that certainly Alan McGregor's Rangers career deserves to end with a, a couple of winners medals because, you know, he's he's been as good a keeper as I've as I've ever seen for Rangers, you know. So um but it is the top priority position that must be addressed in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do agree with that one. I think the uh I think Xander's comment, the, the striker will be another position that we do really need to, to fix in the summer, but we'll, we'll come on to talking about all things Alfredo Morelos a bit later in the podcast. Um, I know your your wee boy's a big fan, Scott, so it'll be a hard one to see him go if he does. Um, but let, let's talk about, I guess, our, our newest signing. Uh, Scott, I'll stick with you on this one. Nicholas Raskin, I think he got 13 minutes on the pitch yesterday. Um, some questionable sock choices, I think it's fair to say. I was really confused by the fact he seemed to be wearing white socks. Um, and I don't think the pictures cleared up anything at all. I don't know why he cut his socks quite so short. And he even acknowledged it in a Twitter comment I made, I think, um, that he'll get his socks fixed for the next game. Um, but in that 13 minutes, I thought he, he showed everything I wanted him to show, really. And I thought I, I got particularly excited um, about about what he can what he can show or what he can give us going forward. Um, I thought he was he was really good demanding the ball. He was being aggressive. He was pushing the team forward. Um, he was doing all the stuff I wanted him to do in that in that situation. And it was a really positive 
the first viewing of Nicholas Raskin not in a Rangers jersey? He just looked energetic, you know. I mean, I think he just in, in it was like one and two touch. He was trying to pass the ball forward, which uh, very hard to judge. But on such a short space of time to go in the park, you're two one. You're trying to manage the game and see the game to get the, th- the three points. But um, he certainly, I'm looking forward to seeing him next week. I don't think he'd even had a training session. You know, because I don't think the work permit had came through until Friday afternoon. So the fact that he's on the bench, able to show up reasonably, reasonably well. You know, I, I, I think if we can get an hour out of him, get a week's training, get an hour out of him next Sunday against uh, against Partick Thistle before we we obviously go to the plastic pitch, which would they be? Uh, I, I don't know how many Remy's came across in the in the Belgian league, you know, but that's the, the joys of Scottish football. But you want to try and get Raskin and, and Cantwell as up to speed as possible for the for the cup final in three weeks' time. But yeah, positive early signs. Um, and I'm look, I look forward to seeing far more of them as a, a starting 11 player because that's obviously what we've signed them for. Yeah, absolutely. Tommy, the title of the podcast is Energetic Rangers debut for Raskin. Um, energetic was a word Scott used to, to describe him there as well. Part of me wonders, has our bar, or expectation bar, dropped so low for our midfield that actually we're just excited to see someone running about and, and making themselves a bit of a nuisance? I think I think that's possible, actually, in terms of just nice to see a midfield who's not injured. That's probably probably part of it. I mean, for those of you who like the stats and all that, you know, two of two successful tackles, all times four ground duels, one, um, one successful dribble out of one and all that type of stuff, two recoveries, and some of those stats are provided by, by Kai Watson, who's on the podcast um, as, as well, not, not this evening, obviously. But he did what was asked of him, which is come in and don't get sent off and show that you can actually, you know what a football is and, <laughs> and do that type of thing. I mean, I've, I've promised myself in 2023 I'm, I'm going to stop doing what I've done you know, in my entire life supporting Rangers, which is make snap judgments about players, positive and negative, right? So for every, you know, Nicholas Raskin, where I want it all to work, you've got a Rabi Matondo where I've switched off. I don't actually think Rabi Matondo is that bad a player. I know, come at me in the comments, right? But <laughs> 13 minutes, right? I've, I was about to say, I've, I've done things that have lasted longer than that. I've done things that have been shorter than that as well. But essentially, you don't know anything about the guy. He comes with a bit of a pedigree. He's particularly young. He can be moulded. Nicholas Raskin won't do anything to endear or disassociate himself with the Rangers support base, broadly speaking, until next season when he's got, I think somebody said in the comments there, he gets the you know the pre-season under his belt. He gets a little bit of that extra intelligence that Michael Beale and his coaching staff are going to get across to him. He slots into what maybe be a new look midfield for that point in time as well. And then we get to see the best of him. But yeah, looks positive. You know, it's always nice to get a new player in. But aye, I mean, I don't think he's going to be writing any headlines in 13, 13 minutes. You know, it's um, not many players can come off the bench for 13 minutes and do something spectacular. And I'm thinking of one particular performance this season against us, and I don't really want to reference it. So uh, I'm going to park that bus right up. Yeah, we'll move, we'll move on at that point. But it's got a... Uh, Nicholas Raskin arrived with the nickname the Pitbull and I guess Jockney um, and the comments here kind of suggest that he's, he started to see that already. Jockney says his first involvement was to wrestle a guy twice his size off the ball from an opponent's throw-in. He'll do it for me. I think 
I think it was just that I'll go for the word energetic performance that they put in over over that period was was what caught people's eye. Um, but I think it'll be really interesting to see how he comes into the team. And Michael Beale said at the start of the transfer window he only wanted to bring in players who were going to start. So Scott, given given that would be the case, and I would expect it to be the case, to be honest, given the the hype that has surrounded Nicholas Raskin pretty much since the summer um, and the sort of rave reviews we've seen from, from people that have watched him play beforehand. Where do you see Nicholas Raskin fitting into the team and who do you see him replacing in that starting lineup? I was funny, we were talking about this at the, at the game yesterday. I think the game on Wednesday night away to Harps, uh, the way that uh, uh, Kamara and Lundstrom, I think he'll be one of the two. So it'll be Raskin and one other. One other, you'll have three three players in ad, in advance and the, the whoever the the centre forward is. So I think Raskin and potentially Jack. I'm just playing playing. It could be any any of the other three to be honest. With Cantwell, Tillman, and Ryan Kent ahead of ahead of the two, you know. So that's how I would expect uh, it to line up. I know that wasn't uh, how we saw, we sort of had so many attacking players on the pitch yesterday, but that's where I think Raskin will fit in. I think he's between a six and an eight. I, th- I think going on th- pods I've listened to and. And uh, what him and the manager have basically said, but I think he'll be one of. I, I've changed my argument, my 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 thoughts with regard to this. It's always been two sitters. I, in the past, we had Jack and Kamara holding hands with each other in the middle of the park. I think the idea is that you're going to have one deeper, and then the expectation is the other player is going to be. Nicholas Raskin potentially more more energetic, and I think uh, Teddy Bear's bang on. He's got far more to offer than just a. I think he can do the sitting midfielder job, but I think just on what we saw yesterday, I think his energy, getting about the pitch, and what have you. I think uh, I think that's where he'll where he'll fit in, Craig. Tommy, sorry, sorry, just I, I think you may be coming to me anyway, but I wanted to just on that with. If you look at Morelos, Hadji coming back, Cantwell, Kent, Raskin, I think we'll be Raskin questions of defences. There we go, that's my pun, I'm willing to stand by it. Um, I've been practising that all day, by the way. So, um, yeah, there we go. This is why I'm not on to appear on the pod that often by the by the group. I think that's broadly, broadly correct, and maybe that's the revision to my earlier answer, actually, Scott raises a very, very good point. And I think that the comments back this out as well, which is what's Nicholas Raskin's number one job, right? It is to make sure he forces himself into the first team. And I know Michael Field said, you know, bring in people who are starters, right? So maybe in that kind of vision, it doesn't do anything to take himself out of the team. You know, he has to show that he can fill the jersey for one of a better cliche, right, on a Sunday night. That's maybe what you're looking for. Now, I think the wrestling people know that it's great. He's showing a bit of fire, showing a bit of desire and all that as well. Really needs to marry the two things in terms of can he give a consistent level of performance? Can he get up to speed really quickly? Big difference between 13-minute cameo and a really good will for you versus you're struggling and you're brought in off the bench or you're in the starting lineup and you're expected to create something. Uh, you know, ultimately, can he, can he do that? Can he become a mainstay over the next month or so? Or indeed, as the 
the management team, the coaching team, going to be a bit selective with them primarily because they don't want to taint them with what might not be an amazing end of the season. We never know, right? And then bring them back around fresh, if you like, come the start of next season and bed that energy that new play. It's always a difficult you know, conundrum. How far do you go with somebody that's brand new given how late it is in the day, particularly the title race? So that, that might be a little bit of thought process into that as well. Yeah, I think so. I think we will see um, the manager rotate those midfielders for the rest of this season and it will be interesting to see how how the partnerships form and what the best um, combinations are. Um, I, I have no doubt that Nicholas Raskin will be a, a, a will be almost cement his place in there. It'll be interesting to see who his partner will be. Um, that kind of brings me on to the next point I wanted to, and I um, I'm kind of going to use this podcast for a, to to, um, to push out a personal gripe of mine, and that is currently with Ryan Jack's um, performances in the team. Um, Kyle, I promise I, I didn't plant this with Kyle, although I do sit next to him at Ibrook, so this is maybe it might be why he's put this comment in. He says, does Raskin come in mean the end for Jack at Rangers? I think Scott Hughes kind of su- suggested that it was either Lundstrom or Kamara that, that Raskin would probably replace in the starting lineup. But I guess my personal gripe with um Ryan Jack at the moment is that I don't I think he's actually causing us more issues than he's giving benefits to us at the moment. I think he's whenever he gets the ball and I noticed it particularly yesterday and it was a real frustration I had, he slows the game down and almost lets the opposition into their shape before he starts playing. And then even then when he does start playing he'll, he will play the sideways ball out to Tavernier or out to, to Barisic. Very rarely is he is he playing the ball forward towards a Cantwell, for example, or towards a Lundstrom when he was on for the first 10 minutes yesterday? And on quite a few occasions as well, he almost second-guesses himself. Um, he goes to play what is the obvious pass and what is the right pass to play in that moment. Then he, he'll, he'll do a cross turn and he'll go back out back out the way the ball came from and almost play players back into traffic, generally to Borna Barisic, who then... I thought he, I thought he had a good game yesterday, but he's put in some difficult positions just by the fact that Ryan Jack gives him the ball when he's surrounded by two or three opposition players. Scott, is that something you've noticed, or is it is it is it me just picking on Ryan Jack? I'm not a fan of Ryan Jack as the deepest midfield player, which is what he what he was yesterday after um, after Lundstrom went off. I do think I do agree with you. I think he does slow the slow the play down. Um, if Ryan Jack is to play, it's it, it's doing what he's been doing in the last few weeks. Um, where was it? The, the semi final against Aberdeen, breaking forward, get, getting a bit lucky, scoring the goal. Tanadice, I thought he was more advanced, and I think Michael Beale's been wanting that from one of the two midfield players. So I thought yesterday he was being asked to do something that he hasn't really done under Michael Beale in the last couple of months. Ryan Jack will get another contract. I think the manager spoke about it. I think the Scottish situation um, is a huge factor with regard to Ryan Jack. And I think uh, that's uh, I've spoke about that for a, for a while. It is a, a huge, a huge uh, factor for him. Even though we've signed Nicholas Raskin, I still think we need still need to sign another starting midfield player to play alongside Nicholas Raskin. I still don't. I would have Jack, Kamara, and Lundstrom as squad players, or potentially 
Glenn Kamara gets moved on for for a for a for a fee in the summer, you know. But Jack for me is a squad player moving forward. Um, but that's uh, so I agree with you. Um, but I think he'll be here for a bit longer. Yeah, I think I think a squad player is a, probably a fair description of where of where I see him. I just guess I guess my frustration comes in the fact that he is starting the vast majority of games at the moment, and actually he's probably having a negative impact on the style of play. We're wanting to see uh, Kyle eighteen seventy two comes into the comments says we don't need to get rid of players like Jack. These players have failed over the course of their time here. Pains me to say it, but sentimentality over fifty five needs to stop. I don't think I'd go as far as saying players like Jack have failed. I think Brian Jack has been a really important players player for us in recent years. I think it's really been since he's came back from his most recent injury that we've seen we've seen him almost take a step back in his performances. Tommy, what's your thoughts on? On the Ryan Jack situation, do you agree? I think we all agree on this podcast probably that he will get a new contract um, extension. But what are your thoughts on his sort of impact on the team and where his role should be? Yeah, I'm maybe slightly, slightly different opinion from from everybody. I, I think Ryan Jack does a decent enough job for for what he is. In terms of, I think his link up plays a little bit better than people give him credit for, and he's he's offensive work around about the opposition box. I mean, he's, he's in the build-up for the first goal at the weekend as well. Um, I think it's a wee bit better. I don't walk past the fact, though, that sometimes he can be slightly overtly negative in terms of his play. But I, you know, he's, he's asked to link it, which is not always the offensive link, and that's a mindset thing as well. Sometimes it is just a case of keep the ball moving and then let somebody else do it. But I don't think he's, I don't think he's you know, naturally inclined to not play the ball forward or look up, so to speak, which I, I think sometimes gets brought into the, the equation. In terms of, it's quite an interesting one from Kyle, has he, has he failed? That's maybe a wider conceptual thing for a Sunday night that has everybody, even though we had 55 and all that in there, that, that, that the majority of that squad fail, given that what you've got 55 in a, a Scottish Cup and a run to, an unsuccessful run to the Europa League final. Is that enough? Silverware to have been in, given where that sport was. You know, different conversation, different debate. Happy to have that with anybody at any point in time. But he'll get a, he'll get the extension. He does a job. He can be played, especially with you know. I'm not saying the like to like players, but as you start to see some of the senior members of the squad. You know, Stephen Davis, long-term injury, probably won't be back. Arfield, does he get an extension? Ryan Jack hits this. I think Shona said it in the uh, in the comments as well. It's part of that Scotch quota. So. It's a relatively low cost um, extension. You know what you're getting. You know where you can play them, and you know you know essentially where the bodies are buried when it comes to these injuries as well. So, I would I would say if the cost is right, it's it's a worthwhile signing for an extra year that allows you to have a look. And maybe he does some behind the scenes mentoring with some of the younger midfielders coming up as well. Because Ryan Jack under let's say Stephen Gerrard actually showed what a good player he could be. It's just that maybe to Scott and your point and everybody else, we've seen it so infrequently, and now it's quite self-evident when you watch him. Injuries have caught up and went past him, and he's not quite the same player he used to be, so you get one decent game, maybe in four or five. So, yeah, I'd still keep him on books if the cost was right for another year. It allows other things to be spent on, um, and it's hopefully not going to be the problem position if we're getting the right level of bodies in there. Can't well ask it one or two others in the summer as well. Low cost option. Middle aisle, so to speak. Um, he's, a, he's a middle aisle option of, uh, of Liddell. 
you just evolve them with the fact that I'll be kept them. I feel like that's probably quite a harsh description of Ryan Jack, that one, to be fair. Oh, <laughs> well, it wasn't meant to be, I quite like the middle line. I love the middle line. Uh, so it wasn't meant to be harsh, it was meant to be, was meant to be um, cautiously complimentary. There we go. Was the middle aisle for, of Widow where you got the tiny air conditioner from in the background? Is that what? Is that it's, what? it's just that it's really far away. <laughs> That's it. It's like there's a panel Ted here. Listen, this is a good air conditioner and heater, right? I will not have anything. I mean, I will not have anything against my air conditioner and my heater and my Dyson fan, which is down here as well, which is really, really good. We are not sponsored by Dyson, unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, or else you'd be on the big bucks, Tommy. Um, yeah, we'll leave um, Tommy's defensiveness over his air conditioner uh, alone there. The size of the air conditioner. It's, the size of the air conditioner, it's, sorry. It's how it heats the room, right? That's, I think that's how you're supposed to say that. Um, let's move on to another of our new signings, Todd Cantwell. Tommy, I thought Todd Cantwell had another good game yesterday. Um, there's a few, a few of the comments from the start of the pod. Um, Darren Knox saying um, the hype about Cantwell is OTT. Curry Muncher saying the hype is warranted on him. Um, I think Todd Cantwell, I was impressed by him again yesterday. I think you can see his quality on the ball and off the ball. I thought his movement off the ball was really good. Interestingly, yesterday I felt he sat a little bit deeper than he had done um, in the previ- in his previous appearances. Um, and I thought he, he potentially looked to, to to pick the ball up a bit deeper and then drive forward with it, which he did on a few occasions. And he was he was more than happy to drive it between the, the centre half and the full back and push us forward in those areas. I, I personally thought he did really well, particularly for his assist for, for Tillman's goal. What were your thoughts on Todd Cantwell yesterday and how he's kind of settling into the, to the Rangers team? He's settling in well. I think the the hype point there is, is you know, it's not like the Rangers support have polar opposite opinions. Uh, but I, I think it again, it's it's hard not to get excited when you see players who are natural ball players, so to speak. You know, they're not kick and run. That's a guy who likes the ball close to him can can actually run with the ball at pace whilst controlling it. Uh, I slightly lost art actually with a lot of players who boot it and then hope their speed and their athleticism gets them out of trouble. That's certainly how I play uh, 11s, to be honest with you. So I can understand why people are excited, uh, especially as he's he's got an eye for a pass. He's that offensive area that we're looking for. I was particularly impressed as I was with Tillman at Pataudry, which is in that space at the byline, actually play a calm, lovely ball. Don't thrash at it. Look up. Take your time. Know that you can work the space and all that. And he stayed on his feet as well, which was nice to see. He went down, not walking past what was a lovely take and pass from Alfredo Morelos as well. And it goes through the defender's legs for Camwell to run onto. So I can understand why people are getting excited because you want to see more and more of that. Um, lovely kind of strike as well that just cut to top of the, the bar. Unlike Ross in the comments, I am not enamoured with the uh, selection of uh, clothes that uh, that Canwell takes, but I, I do think it's not picking one or the other, but it's OTT in that he's done nothing, right? But we're all excited because we know where some of the problem childs have been in their squad, and to see players like Canwell coming in, who is a good player, who will absolutely develop at Rangers, who will probably get a, a much better fee, etc., hard not to get excited. 
But I do get the realism across that in terms of he's not done anything yet. Wait till he lights him up. Right now it's all just about all right. Well, he's not terrible. He's not George Weah's cousin. Type of scenario, right? Uh, for those of a certain age who remember that story, right? He's, he's not there, which means ah, uh, it's really positive. Same with Raskin. It's positive for thirteen minutes, but you know, bear me sticking around the Hall of Fame already. Yeah. Um... Scott, I think in terms of the assist we saw from Cantwell and a few of the few of the passes we saw as well, I think that's kind of the signs of of what I hope to see moving forward and, and how he impacts our play. And he seemed to, particularly when Malik Tillman came on, the two of them seemed to link up um, particularly well. Are you are you excited? Are, are I you really, more, sorry, more excited, or are you excited? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm more excited. I think he's he's came in and shown what I really what I'd seen from him in his uh, early days at Norwich. You know, just a guy that's confident on the ball. I th- the one thing that has impressed impressed me is his movement. I th- you know, there's one minute he's on the right, one minute he's on the left. He's on obviously that's on manager instruction. He's not just wandering about and uh, playing where he wants to. I think he wants Kent, he wants Tillman, he wants Cantwell to to basically not be up against the same guy for too too long and try to cause a bit of chaos. And I think he's had a very positive start. I think the the give and go with with Alfredo was was class, but the composure to pick out um, uh, Tillman for the header, uh, top class. So it's been a very positive positive start. A positive week for him, you know, because he done well last week. He done okay for 15, 20 minutes when he came on at Hearts. So I think he's done well, and you've got to remember he'd barely played at Norwich, you know, from from about November time, you know. So I think it's been a good week again, a good a week's training, get an hour out of him next Sunday, and you know, hopefully by the time we get to the end of the month, he's he's getting closer to. Um, but I. Very positive, and I think him and Tillman look as though they are going to have a good relationship. Uh, I noticed that they had a bit of maybe a bit of a bromance going on. You can see it on Instagram, like sort of uh, sharing each other's uh, sharing each other's posts and what have you. You know, so that can, if they have a good relationship on the park, it can only transmit to a, a positive uh, impact on it. Absolutely, Kyle eighteen seventy two in the comments. Cantwell, Kent, and Tillman all feed off each other. Take the pressure off each other. We're heading in the right direction. Uh, Bueno seventy coming in here. Cantwell and Tillman look like they're building a good relationship. Um, let's move on to to Malik Tillman then. Tommy, I think he had another good game yesterday. I think he showed, um, particularly with his goal, how positive and how much of an impact those late runs into the box uh, can make in supporting the strikers and offering another option for the guys. Out wide, Michael Beale's made no secret this week of the fact that we do intend to to trigger that cause and and sign on permanently in the summer, which I thought was a really really positive one and um, really positive news. And it kind of I guess takes away any ambiguity over over whether that will be done or not, which was which was good. Yesterday's goal was Tillman's eighth of the season so far. I think he's on five assists as well. I believe he's just one goal off Joe Aribo's best season. Um, for Rangers, I, I think he's he's managed to turn around a lot of people's opinion on him in, in recent games. I think pretty much since Michael Beals came in, he's, he's he's turned around a lot of people's opinions on him. 
he's he's just going from strength to strength at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything you've just said there, and the Rebo thing should probably resonate with a lot of people as well. It's always that stats versus perception uh, point as, as well. You know, you can have great numbers, but you don't break through the consciousness of the support and vice, vice versa. Listen, it's, it's easy to nail your colours directly to the mast on this one, which is Sain, Malik, Tillman. Right? It's, it's a no-brainer, but 22, 5 million, whatever it looks like. I'm not entirely sure if I recall if there's a settlement clause baked into that exclusive deal that we've got with Bayern as well. I would imagine so. Bayern tend to be very, very good in terms of their contractual negotiations as well. But, yeah, I think off the back of Ajax and stuff like that, he's getting a lot of hassle. You need to remember he's 22, he's going to have bad bad periods. Uh, but, yeah, you sign him all day long. He is a, a great player. I think he'll do great things in Rangers jersey. He's also an asset you know, you get them at that cost, that young, that's that's good work. Um, and then from a commercial aspect, good exposure in America and that market and stuff like that as well. So you can go down that track if you particularly want to. Not that Rangers are a commercial first uh, entity or anything like that at the moment, but it's always good to keep one eye uh, on that and expect to see Malik Tillman in an ACDC shot at any point in time. But... Aye, so that's as, pretty much as simple as, as that. The performances under Michael Beale are definitely ticked up. He's got a good work ethic. Um, he's a very, very good a good player we sign him. The only thing we'd probably counsel for everybody, and I include myself in this, is when it gets to the summer and we, we sign him, hopefully he agrees to come to come and he's liked what he's seen here and all that type of thing. Then remember that that's potentially five million out five million out of the budget in the summer. So yes he's been here. I've worked for this quite a lot. You know, a player's been here alone, you go, all right, you get him. But he's not new. And so he's, you tend to think, well, sign more new players and all that. That's a big outlay for us in the summer as well, five million for anyone quantity. And that probably just needs to free up a bit of pragmatism as we go into the summer as well. Yeah, Scott, I think Malik Tillman, I think he's only 20, Tommy around 22, which I think gives gives him more excuse for from the age yeah, perspective. Um, and I, I think, um, if I'm right, I remember... Uh, reading that Bayern Munich, if we were to sign Malik Tillman on the, the five million pounds or five million euro, um, cause they have a buyback option as well as a sell-on fee, I think in there, which I think is still fair enough. And if Bayern Munich were to buy him back, it would be a a much inflated price over the the five million um, that we are paying them for him. Scott, I'm quite excited about the prospect of Malik Tillman permanently being a Rangers player and. Um, what he can offer us uh, going forward, I, I assume you're the, you're very much the same. Yeah, I mean, I think he's progressed uh, massively since Michael Beale came in. I think he's not been asked to do things that he's not comfortable with. I think a lot of the time under Geo, he was the wide player on the right hand side. Um, I think back to uh, Liverpool away, which. He was, you know, he looked so uncomfortable um, that night, and I think uh, the man, the manager, is very good in, I think, building sort of relationships with these younger players, and I think that's very, that's evident very quickly uh, with uh, with Tillman. You know, we all get blinded by his num numbers, this player's numbers, that player's numbers, you know, but a guy with eight goals. February, he's still got four months of the season to go, you know, I mean, it's it's not out with the bounds of possibility that he ends the season with 15 goals, you know, I mean, I, I think if he does that, 
there's every chance we have picked up a couple of trophies, you know, and he's just, he's a moments player, one of these guys that just pops up with a, a, a cheeky pass to, to assist or breaks into the box, you know, so I think it's a, it is a big outlay, but if it's 5 million and the buyback's 15 million, for example, that's a fair, that's a fair deal for me. And if he gives us two seasons, helps us win uh, win the league title back and gets us into the Champions League. You know, that's the, you know, you, you flip him, flip him for 15 million and he's, he's been a success sort of thing, you know. So, Ive, he's improving uh, week week on week. Absolutely. And I think, I think I have to agree. I think he's quite, I think I said in the podcast previously, he's quite like how Yanis Hadji is really if you if you buy someone with that pedigree and 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 that level of promise but also someone that is admired by some big clubs across across Europe then really it's a it's almost a risk-free transfer because you're always going to get a club that will take a punt on him even if it doesn't work out for him at Rangers which thankfully it looks like he's, he's got off to a good start anyway and one one way that continue but I think ultimately someone will take a punt on him with his background um, at Bayern Munich and with him being a USA international as well and only being 20. If if it were not to work out, I wouldn't have any concerns about us not making that five million back, if not even more than that, should it should it not. So absolutely, I would be I would be handing over the money for, for Malik Tillman in the summer and, and thankfully it, it seems that's what Rangers are going to do. Um, Right, moving on from yesterday's game, there was an interview published in the Herald this morning, written by Chris Jack, um, with Connor Goldson, who sat down and they spoke about quite a wide range of subjects. Um, I'll just read through a few of the a few of the quotes um, from the from the piece that I thought kind of stood out for me on some some main topics. Um, Tommy, I'll come to you first on this one just to get get your thoughts but I thought Conor Goldson spoke really well he says his motivation is medals not money and making memories of glorious occasions which I thought was an interesting turn of phrase for him to use uh, it, when asked about um, when he thought if he thought about leaving last summer he says you look at the people who have left the club are they happy I don't think I could now play for a team that wins every four, three four or five games I just don't think I could mentally take it because I lose or draw a game here and it's like the end of the world um, which I think is the kind of mentality we we want to see from our players. Um, speaking of potentially retiring at Rangers, he says, yes, I do feel content enough to retire at Rangers. I'm in a really good place physically and mentally. I love my club and what it represents. I love the pressure that it gives me on a day-to-day basis to work hard to be even better. Um, on uh, Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos, obviously their contracts are up at the end of the season and he was asked a few questions just because he was in a similar situation last year. And On the prospect of them re-signing, he said, listen, they are good players and if they want to stay, we will be really happy to have them here. But if they don't, Rangers Football Club has to move on and move on quickly to get new players who are ready to win because that's what we are here for. Tommy, I was really impressed by Connor Goldson in, in that interview and I think it felt more open and honest than interviews he's given in the past. What were your thoughts on on his comments? Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to hard to disagree with anything you've just said there. And there's some elements of the the interview which are really interesting. I'll let Scott pick up on some of that as well. Um, but it is nice to hear directly from 
Connor Goldson, he's not somebody who does a, a lot of interviews. I thought there was a slight dig at maybe previous handling of that type of stuff within that interview as well in terms of being able to, to actually interact with the fans and say this stuff. Now, I think that's one of the lines in the interview. But, yeah, it, it tells you something. You know, so Connor Goldson is polarised sometimes, I think, as he says in the interview himself, and I've said it previously too, he's human, so he's going to make mistakes. All defenders make mistakes, right? You take Conor Goldson out of that Rangers team, it is self-evident watching them that he is the absolutely fundamental part of the defence. You know, upscaling the people next to him, raising the bar, talking them through the game, making sure that people are checking themselves, all that type of good stuff. He's actually a really good player as well. So, listen, if he signs on, that, well, now he's signed on, that's fantastic. See how he's career at Ibrooks, fantastic again. In and of himself, that interview is great, not just for him and for us to hear, but it's a lovely shot across the bows of other players. Listen, you're not the type of people who want to be half, um, not trying, eh, I'm going to try and keep it PG, um, not trying so much, or if you've got your eyes, you know, if you've been seduced elsewhere, just go, right? Alfredo Morelos, maybe. Just just do it, stop hanging on, we can move on, we're a big enough bubble bring other players in. And then, yeah, quite rightly pointing at people like maybe a Windass, a Pandeus, all these type of players as well, who were part of something, were sold on a project, decided at a certain point they didn't want to be part of that project anymore, and then went, and where are they now? You know, it's hit and miss type of scenario. So it's great to hear what is your de facto captain. Yeah. Like yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. Before I come on to you, Scott, to get your thoughts, Gary James ninety jumps in here with one. I think Tommy will take uh, suggesting that Tommy looks like Gerard Butler. Um, I think that's. I would if it wasn't the fact that Jerry Butler maybe supports the wrong team for me. He wanted to look like him. Although I appreciate the comment, Gary, but um, try and rustle me up somebody who could be a Hollywood actor, but is uh, also from the right side of the street, so to speak. <laughs> Scott, just on Conor Goldson's interview, I know there was one um, particular passage that that you liked from the interview. I think Conor Goldson spoke about what it takes to become a legend at Rangers. Um, I don't have the, the exact quote in front of me, but um, I think you were particularly impressed by by his attitude towards that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just the whole, I think it was spoken about after 55 that everybody that was involved in 55 was a legend and going to be a Hall of Fame inductee and I've always been one that has been to be a legend and be a true Hall of Famer you win trophies you become a serial winner and you're winning doubles and trebles and, and that sort of situation so that essentially is what Conor Golson has said uh, as part of that interview. And he's just basically said, I need to win a lot more trophies to be regarded in that way. By that same token, I'm proud I've played 250 games in four and a half years. But to be a legend, you need to have won a lot more than I have won. you know. And I think that's, that, that's what's going to drive him on um, to be part of a successful Rangers side over the next three or four years. And when he does retire from Rangers, that he's got seven or eight medals, and not just a, a league title and a and a and a Scottish Cup, you know. So, I think yeah, he he gets it, you know. He's uh, and I think it's it's fascinating for somebody that has came up and has basically bought into it. There was a lot in the interview about his family and his wife even saying to him, 
you might not play there. You know, and it's, it's great to have that sort of uh, his wife having that sort of conversation with him. And he also said um, he had one. I think there was one concrete offer, and I think the team hasn't won very often, which makes me think a Bournemouth, a Southampton sort of uh, bottom end of the bottom end of the, of the Premiership, you know, but I know he's, I think there's a lot of chat about he should be captain, but I think in, I'm a great believer in every successful side should have five or six captains within it. Every great Rangers side that I've ever watched has had multiple leaders and he is, you know, he is the captain without the armband, uh, without the armband but, um, you know, I think he's basically his importance has basically been shown to a lot of people because of the injury. You know, I knew how good Connor Golson was prior to the injury, but I think a lot of people didn't realise until he wasn't there for a couple of months. You know, so here's hoping that by the end of the season he's added a couple of medals to his uh, collection and he can go on towards becoming a legend in, in three or four years' time. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's a really interesting point in terms of the injury and and how much his value was shown to so many fans. Who I think there was quite there were quite a lot of doubters um, prior to that injury with Connor Goldson. I think his his absence during during that particularly difficult time for for the team and the squad was um, was really interesting. Tommy, just to get your thoughts on this comment from Kyle eighteen seventy two says, I get all this with Goldson and he is our number one centre-back, but he is part of the problem around us not winning leagues or bottling leagues. What do you make of the second part of that comment? I don't agree with it. Um, although I will do my best to put myself in, in Kyle's, Kyle's shoes there. Um, in terms of, I, I can understand people saying, well, if you bottle big games and you're saying that he's the leader and he sets, you know, he's one of the leaders and he helps set the tone, then by definition he has to be part of the problem. Uh, listen, I, I get the logic behind it. I would say that by and large, I'm maybe completely questioning something different. If you were, Kyle, I don't expect you to change your answer by the way here, but if you were going through that team, you were saying, who would I absolutely keep? I would 100% keep Conor Wilson. You know, he gives you a lot more. You're always looking for players who give you more than just what they're supposed to do and just their, their singular job. And yes, he's had bad games. Right? It's shocking game, Spartak. Absolutely, absolutely terrible game away, right? And he's dropped the ball sometimes. But by and large, he's been an absolutely stellar performer. His physical attributes in terms of run of games without getting injured cannot be overstated in the modern game when you know you're going quite a lot. I, I don't take all of that as an excuse that professional athletes get looked after. You know, I don't always buy the Jurgen Klopp type of scenario here, but I don't naturally think he is one of the problems. I think he's been working with some of the problems and that's a slightly different thing. I mean, don't be wrong, if you come along and you say, well, here's a world-class defender, I'll take him. Connor Goldson has wished all the best as a footman in a taxi, but I, I definitely think he's he's one to keep. Just to look back for a second as well to what Scott and you were talking about in terms of you know winning trophies and being a Hall of Famer, I think this is definitely one of those things and I for myself here in my book, Creators 101, that I wrote a couple of years ago. I wrote about James Tavernier, that you know, even with 55 and all that type of stuff, he's one of those players who I think is probably in danger of being defined by his near misses and losses, as opposed to his victories. 
and that's why he's not for them or for me. If you get yourself into there, you can't possibly be. And there's two main misses for the few this squad, namely, namely that. But I would say Goldson is absolutely somebody that I would keep on the yeah, absolutely, and I think I would recommend everyone goes and have a look at that um, interview with Chris Jack. It's available online um, with the Herald. It's really insightful and it's really informative, and it gives you a gives you a bit of a flavour of of Connor Goldson's mindset and and why he's decided to stay at Rangers. And I think actually, once you read it, you realise how much he's bought into the club as a whole and how much he loves Rangers and. Um, actually, the reasons he stayed are exactly the reasons why a lot of Rangers fans, me included, expect players to stay or think players should stay. It's all about the opportunity to win stuff. It's not about money. It's about um, playing in front of a, a, a crowd, a support that expects you to win every week and, and dealing with that level of expectation. And I don't think we can. I don't think we can put any negativity towards Conor Olsen for fully buying into to what we want Rangers to be and what what he's seen since he's been with the club. So, for fingers crossed, Connor Goldson can can keep going at the level he's been playing at because I think he's been a major part of why we we continue to be um, under Beal having a positive start. Um, just before we round off tonight's podcast, just one more topic to cover, and it's been a hot topic over the last 24 hours or so. Scott, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, but we, we put out a bit of a poll earlier on on the TII just asking people is it time to is it time we admit the Ibrox atmosphere at least for 80% of domestic games is poor and borderline negative um, I think when we say that we mean basically outside of European home games and old firm home games potentially the odd Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen game if it's uh, if it gets a bit feisty but I think in the vast majority of games and, and yesterday's game against Ross County is a prime example of a kind of run-of-the-mill game at Ibrooks. We saw, again yesterday, a lot of people start leaving pretty much from the 70th minute onwards. And by the time you get to five minutes to go, even if the game's close at 2-1, as it was yesterday, the, the stadium is 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 emptied pretty much. There's there's a, a few, one that refuses to refuses to leave until the, the referee um, blows his final whistle. I've always been like that much to to my dad's for times um but uh but yeah so but let's look at a couple of the comments uh michael McEwen said absolutely although i'm not sure how this compares to other grounds my bigger concern is how the stadium empties well before full time I appreciate people have other things to do transport concerns but it's a dreadful look getting earlier and earlier too um Shug, our fellow contributor, says the atmosphere for European games is second to none, but league games are terrible. Without the Union Bears, who deserve a better place in the stadium, it would be a library. Playing the same teams four times a season definitely contributes. Been here, seen that, but I'd, I'd like to hear players' opinions. Um, Near and Far, 78, says that it's not new. It's been pretty much the same since the 80s. When I started going with Union Bears, it's actually better than it used to be. And just finally on the Twitter comments, there's, there's loads more there, but no time for them, says it's flat. Nobody outside of the Union Bears makes any noise and congestion slash public transport is absolutely awful. That added to a less than exciting product on the pitch means people want to beat the rush. It's always been the same at Ibrox, just worse than usual at the moment. Scott, what's what's your thoughts on, on the whole debate that's been going on in the whole situation? Are you 
are you in agreement with with much many of the points i think um transport links is one thing that keeps being brought up all the time i think um congestion on the roads and all and i think again another one that i've i've consistently heard is people have work to go to or they've got a long way to travel home what are you what's your thoughts on 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 the whole situation I don't think I disagree with any of the points that have been made that it isn't a isn't a black and white situation. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of factors. I think uh, as I've been going since uh, soonest, and I think it has gradually deteriorated over the course of the that sort of thirty odd thirty odd years. Um, the, the transport links. I think Shug basically talks about the board. I think the boredom. You know, I mean, I, I do even myself. I find it difficult to get up for seeing Motherwell, St Mirren, Ross County. You know, I've seen them play so many times, and the, you know the sort of game that you're going to get before you before you go, sort of thing. You know, and it's uh, but it's the visual. It's the visual that I'm struggling with. Um, it just doesn't look. Great. I mean, we're, we're talking there at the start of the, the start of the pod about Nicholas Raskin and his media during the week. He's talking about uh, Ibrox it's, and Cantwell's family was up for the game and and what have you. Look forward to see Ibrox rocking and there we score the second goal and I don't know what two thirds of the stadium. That's their cue to go to the Loudon for a couple of pints before they get the supporters bus, jump on the subway, jump in their car to. To, to, to get to beat the traffic it, it is what it is I, I don't see how I don't see how you improve this it, you can't stop people from doing it there are legitimate reasons elderly people that have to leave early to avoid being caught and people that have got they're starting their work at six o'clock or whatever it may be you know so it isn't a it isn't an easy situation to solve I just think it looks worse at our stadium, then I watch all the football on Sky. I don't see this happening in the in the English Premiership, you know. So that to me would say it's a boredom factor. I think a great amount of people go to Ibrox as a habit, and once the game's won, then they can then they can they can sort of shoot off, you know. So it's uh, I it's. <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a difficult one, Craig. Um, I, I just don't I don't see how you I don't, don't just don't see how you stop people. You're you are entitled. You are a supporter. No supporter is more important than anybody else. Union bears, or you know somebody sitting in the, the director's box. But all Rangers supporters that want to see Rangers playing well and putting a and putting a good performance on. Um, but that's uh, you know. If I had an answer to it, but you can't stop human behaviour and freedom of choice, and you you pay your money, you can do whatever you you want, obviously within the within the regulations of what you're allowed to do within the stadium. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point about boredom, and just as a, a side point, I hope you all enjoyed taking a tumble with Tommy's iPad there as it fell off. The, 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 I was trying to do I was to do the subway loyal, and I was going to leave the pod a couple of minutes early, but I've decided to stay. <laughs> um, Tommy, what do you mean? So, if everybody just tilts their head, then that should be fine. We'll all get through it. Tommy, what did you make of um, Scott's point, I guess, around the boredom factor? We don't see people leaving. You see the, I guess you see the odd person leaving um, at European games or at 
um, during old firm games, you see them leaving maybe 10, 15, but the stadium's largely full at the end of those games, unless it's against Liverpool and we won't speak about the result um, on that night again. But I think um, it's it's interesting that the, the variety of points that, that are put forward, but I think it's quite, I, I'm still disappointed by the fact that more fans don't stay till till the end. And I don't have something I don't understand. If you're going to see a sporting event, why not stay till the end and see and see see the full event as such? What do you first of all, what do you make of, of Scott's Scott's thoughts on it? And secondly, what can we do, if anything, to, to try and change that behaviour? Okay, so probably a couple of things I would broadly agree with Scott's comments. I would say as well, anything could happen with this camera in the next the next couple of minutes so we, we could end up anywhere right is what i'm saying i might be doing this point lying down in a minute it's 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 all happening so in terms of synthesis of all those things that we've just spoken about which is fine and i include myself in this right season ticket holder i go along i tend not to leave early even though i, I drive quite a lot I, I don't mind staying at the end do i sit and sing my heart out every single domestic game no i don't Simple as that, right? And I'll, I'll challenge anybody to, to tell me that they, they really do. Maybe you be aside, right? So there's a certain level of boldom inherent in people like Ross County and all that rocking up, right? There's also a certain level, maybe if we challenge ourselves of entitlement in terms of we expect to smash these teams. And if it doesn't quite work out that way, we don't tend, I'm being very broad brush here, but we don't tend to go positive. We tend to go, how come we're not smashing this team? Right? We tend to forget there's a team on the another team in the park that we need to we need to beat. Right, and hard work is not a bad thing. You know, to come to Ibrox with if teams want to work hard, they'll make it difficult. And then you start to look at some of the wider things, which is the transport links around about Ibrox are horrendous. I mean, if you were a, if you were a city council and you were going out your way to make it difficult for a club you didn't like, you would design the transport links round about Ibrox. Right, it's it's absolutely the case and we've spoken the clubs engaged with uh, the council and network rail etc but maybe we opened the ibrox line even just on match days that's been ongoing for a couple of years and i think it's kind of buried somewhere in the in the race ground it's one of the reasons why edmondson house is so important to the club's infrastructure and go forward position as well exactly for that is to get people in early create a buzz and then get them to stay as well you know don't run to the subway to to, to spots point we go and have a couple of pints whatever i mean we're going to fight whatever you want but the club's trying to make it more of a match day feel as opposed to and i think this will resonate with a lot of people on this pod and you know listening as well which is sometimes it's a wee bit of a uh, right, uh, i need ball on right it's cold it's wet i know i'm in for 90 minutes, I maybe know the greatest football up against a team who are going to work hard against us. But I'll go because I love the club and I want to support them. But what does that support look like? Filling your seat. And again, I'm not going to go at anybody there. And I'm certainly not going to go at people who work and have to get away or people who travel from different countries to, to come and, and watch the team as well. You know, people might have legitimate reasons for leaving. But, and I also include myself, you know, primarily with that, not singing all the time. But what atmosphere are we trying to create? I, I don't think you're ever going to unlock Ibrooks bouncing for 90 minutes for a Motherwell, a Kilmarnock, a Ross County. I'm sorry, they're just not big enough fish to engage and excite the Rangers' support. It's it's just really that simple. 
Yeah, I think it's it's one that's going to go on and on, I think, and be, be a debate um, going forward. I think a few of the comments actually said that it's been going on since the 80s, so it's not something new. I think it's, um, it's potentially more visible now, and there's obviously the waiting list for the season tickets as well, which suggests that there are more and more people that want to get into the ground, so it's I guess there's an added frustration if those people are struggling to get their season tickets or can't or, or, or they're on a waiting list and then are looking at the, the the coverage and seeing that the ground is three quarters empty with five minutes to go in a game. I think you could understand that frustration as well. Scott, I think just to, to round off the podcast, if one of the points we made in the question was around the atmosphere being borderline negative at Ibrooks these days. And I think I, I sit on the club deck, I know you sit a bit further along in the club deck from me um, and if there are every single game there's there's people having a go at every touch that Fashion Sakala has or every every time Borna Barisic turns to play the ball backwards um, or even sometimes the players don't even have to touch the ball and they're, they're having a go at them it does seem that sometimes people just turn up and have a moan at the team and that's all they're there for or it, it, it seems like people sometimes people don't just enjoy the football or aren't there to enjoy the football they just want to to have a bit of a moan is that is that something you've seen an increase of in recent years no no for me i think it's always i, I think ibrox has always been a tough a tough crowd to be, to be honest with you you know i mean i think kevin thompson once said you're only as good as your last pass you know and it's there's there's nothing uh, there's nothing truer sort of situation you know so it's Rangers crowd uh, is a is a hard uh, is a hard uh, one to 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 keep with you sort of thing you know so it's like one week Connor Golson can be the the Ballon d'Or contender and then the next the next week he's the, the he's then you know the, he's Emilson Krabari for those that can remember him for the banter years sort of thing you know so I don't think uh, I think some people you know like to get just get vent you know it's like yeah, every tack every touch is a is a tackle you know that's what it felt like with fashion yesterday I was getting frustrated with them at times but. I, I was just getting frustrated, you know. There, there is that you get that frustration, and I think, uh, aye, it, it is what it, it is. What it is, it's just it's a hard, uh, a hard crowd to a hard crowd to please, and it's always been the same. Yeah, Tommy, I'll come to you for the final final thoughts on that one. I think I've always known that the, the Ibrox crowd is one that that can be that can go against you pretty quickly. I think opposition managers know that as well and it's always part of their team talk when they come out and they say if you get an early goal or if you're able to to keep it nil nil up to 60 minutes then the, the crowd will start to turn on on rangers and start to pile the pressure on um do you, how much of an impact do you think that has on the players as well um do you think they how much do you think they notice it how much um for example yesterday 85 minutes and the stadium's three quarters is empty do you think they notice that or do you think they just they, they play how they play and, and that's that I think it's I think it's hard not to notice that even if you're concentrating in the game, it's 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 hard. You can feel a shift in a crowd. You know, we've all been parts of crowds. You know, that many people disappearing, it's hard to miss it. I suppose it's does it affect the performance? Is is maybe the, the deeper question? Um, I don't know naturally if it would in those types of environments. I think it tends to be more not so much people leaving. I think would affect the performance more 
the noise and to your point and to everybody else's point as well, it's that you know European knights we're in danger of mythologizing Ibrooks on European nights as well, by the way. They can turn pretty quickly too, right? I remember two 0 to Braga before it became before it became three two and all that type of stuff. But I'm not being negative about that. I'm just saying let's not let's not say we all go in with tons of goodwill on European nights as well, you know. But when it's rocking there is no place like it. There is there is no place like it. What I think maybe it impacts the players is the energy they would get off a, a rock and Ibrox does drive them forward. I think players have been on record as saying that, right? That's, that, that's fine. I think players, we also know, tighten up when it's the negativity, the booing, every touch, every pass. I mean, you need to remember players like Sakala, I, I should say this every time I'm on when I say Sakala is not the answer, right? But forward players in particular are built to lose the ball. Right, because they're the ones that are trying things, and there's packs of defenders whose job it is to intercept that ball and stop it from happening. Right, so they are inbuilt to lose it quite a lot, and then maybe that just tightens up as they hear a lot of negativity, even before they've played a pass. So they do go inside, they play the five yarder, they go back as opposed to taking their man on because they don't want to hear the groans, and that's something that we need to think of as a support, but also does have the ability to separate the wheat from the chaff in terms of players who are built to handle that pressure. Because it's those players that keep coming back. If I use Ryan Kent as an example, gets a lot of the boo, or was getting a lot of the boos, all that type of stuff. Ryan Kent does always show for the ball. Hasn't always been top quality, but he always shows for the ball, which is why I'll stick with him. And that's that's never a bad kind of tool to have in your locker to say, well, actually, you can tell this player's, this player's just hiding because he doesn't like the doesn't like the fans being on his back. Right, well, you can't be wearing that blue jersey for a long term then because you need to be stronger inside. You need to have an element of steel to pull on the Rangers jersey. And if you don't have it, don't bother applying. We've got other people who could do that job. Yeah, I think so. And I think it goes back to um, Conor Goldson's um, points in the, in the interview earlier on about having the right mentality to be a Rangers player and and um, all the qualities that that needs to be and that that he thrive that he feels he thrives in the pressure of needing to win every week and he doesn't think he could he could disappear or disappear to another team and only win whatever third, fourth or fifth game kind of thing. And it goes back to, to that mentality and dealing with, with that level of pressure all feeds into that um consistently. Right, we're well over the hour mark um and I think I've kept the guys well beyond um the call of duty for this uh, for tonight's podcast. So Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. It's been a good chat, and uh, hopefully my two kids are sleeping by the time I leave this wee room. <laughs> <laughs> and Tommy, thank you very much for joining us too. Yeah, always, always a pleasure. Thanks to you both. Thanks to all the listeners. I'm away to see if I've got concussion from being hit by the camera and uh, falling over. Absolutely, you're a way to brush up on your Gerard Butler comparisons as well. So, um... Scotland, welcome to Scotland. I think he's that guy for the Burniston. Uh, if anybody remembers that uh, segment in terms of you know Scotland, um, aye, there we go, Gerard Butler. Jeezy <laughs> peeps, man. <laughs> Absolutely. And on that, on that note, uh, also have me do is to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to like the video if you've enjoyed the content. Also remember to subscribe to the TII YouTube channel. We're very close to 5,000 subscribers. So please, if you've not subscribed already, please 
hit that button, turn on the notifications and help us reach that milestone. In terms of what we've got coming up, um, I'll be back tomorrow night with the live Monday bulletin. Um, we'll start looking ahead a little bit to Partick Thistle and we'll look a wee bit back as well around sort of Michael Beale's first 12 games in charge and what it's, sh what it's shown us and where where we hope the team will, will progress over the next few months as we go towards the end of this season. Uh, Kyle will be back on Wednesday evening and then it'll be full steam ahead through to the Partick Thistle Scottish Cup game at the weekend. So thank you very much for joining us and until next time, goodbye. Oh, yeah, yeah.